Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. Good morning, White Sox fans. I'm Jim Margulis, and this is your White Sox wake-up call for 421-2021. If you listened to the last episode of the Sox Machine podcast, Josh and I went back and forth about Jose Abreu's struggles. And perhaps Jose Abreu was one of those listeners too, because he went off in a way that should alleviate any fears about his ability to hit a fastball. Abreu hit two of the White Sox four homers and added an RBI single to boot as the White Sox overcame an inefficient Carlos Jordan start and some sloppy defense for an 8-5 victory that could have been easier. The rematch between Rodon and Zach Plesak turned out the same, a White Sox winner with a multi-run margin, but it took a different course in getting there. This game was a tough, tense matchup until the Sox exploded for four runs in the sixth. They still didn't quite make it easy, but they're back to 500 nevertheless. Abreu played a big part in everything. He answered a Jordan Luplo solo shot with one of his own in the fourth, chased Plesak with an RBI single in the sixth, then spoiled Sam Henkes' MLB debut with another solo shot to left field in the seventh. Perhaps by coincidence, he was the designated hitter in this one, and he looked hitterish. If you're listening, Jose, just remember, I always believed in you. Abreu had company and so the Sox never trailed. They took a 2-0 lead in the third as Luis Robert doubled and scored after a pair of groundouts. Tim Anderson then prevented Plesak from closing the inning, tacking on a solo shot with two down. In the four-run sixth, Yohan Moncada rifled a double to the right center gap that scored Adam Eaton, Abreu single-scored Moncada, and Yasmani Grandal capped it off with a two-run shot. They needed the insurance because the Sox were ugly in every other facet. After his no-hitter out of nowhere, Rodon grunted his way through five innings. He didn't allow a hit until Luplo's homer in the third, but he'd already issued three of his five walks by then. His control was scattershot, and a Cleveland lineup that was wiser to his approach extended plenty of battles. While Rodon had his own struggles with the strike zone, the defense didn't pick him up either. Nick Magical bounced a routine throw to Yermin Mercedes, who looked like a guy with scant experience at first base with his scoop attempt. Grandal was a mess behind the plate, causing a jam at the first of two catcher interferences and dropping all sorts of pitches even after Rodon left the game. Yet Rodon managed to get through five with just one earned run allowed thanks to a mistake on Cleveland's part. The Tribe loaded the bases on the magical Mercedes error, the catcher interference, and a walk with nobody out. Rodon roared back with a pair of strikeouts to put himself on the brink of an escape, but Cesar Hernandez rocketed a hopper off Moncada for a run-scoring single. 
Credit Tim Anderson for providing Swift backup. He corralled the carom behind Moncada so fast that Josh Naylor, who was rounding third, saw every reason to blow through the stop sign. Anderson made an easy throw home to Grandal, who actually held on to this ball and tagged out the sliding Naylor well in front of home plate for the gift third out. The White Sox maintained a 3-2 lead, Rodon completed a relatively smooth fifth to get the game past the halfway point and qualify for the win. He's now 3-0 and with a sparkling 0.47 ERA. As for the White Sox, they're back to 500 at 9-9, while Cleveland fell to 500 at 8-8. Eight eight. One problem, the White Sox are 0-7 when they have a 500 record this year. Another problem, it's going to be a one-lopsided pitching matchup. Cleveland's bringing Aaron Savali, who's 3-0 himself, including six innings of one-run ball against the Sox his last time out. The Sox are scrambling with a bullpen day that could feature the likes of Alex McRae, who was added to the roster in place of Zach Birdie on Tuesday, and Jonathan Stever, whom Tony Larusa said can be expected to rejoin the club. Matt Foster warmed up but didn't enter Tuesday's game, while Evan Marshall and Liam Hendricks worked lightly. Aaron Bummer, Garrett Crochet, and Cody Hoyer all hit bumps during their appearances, so while they're available, they're probably not in the best of shape. Oh, and Adam Eaton was suspended for one game due to his light shove of Andre Jimenez last Thursday. He appealed the suspension, but if Nick Castellanos' upheld two-game punishment is any precedent, the league is really cracking down on anybody who instigates bench clearings in the COVID era. Eaton will probably have to miss a game in the near future, and the White Sox will probably try to arrange it on a day where they face a lefty. Of course, with snow expected to accumulate in Cleveland overnight, there's a chance this game could be postponed. The White Sox would welcome that, but if they play, it'll be at 5.10 p.m. Central on NBC Sports Chicago. Around the league, the Twins finally resumed playing after having their previous three games postponed by a COVID-19 outbreak within the team, only to get shut out by the Oakland A's in both ends of a doubleheader, 7-0 in Game 1 and 1-0 in Game 2. Minnesota managed just eight hits over the 14 innings, and now Oakland has won 10 in a row. The Royals stumbled into a 14-7 loss to the Rays while Detroit's game with Pittsburgh was rained out, so the White Sox gained on everybody within the division. They're tied for second to game behind 9-7 Kansas City. Elsewhere in baseball, the Yankees snapped their five-game losing streak with a 3-1 victory over Atlanta, although they needed a lot of help from Nate Jones to make it happen. Jones let in the go-ahead run with a wild pitch in the eighth inning, then walked in an insurance run. The Dodgers beat the Mariners 1-0 in a game that featured three total hits. The Cubs beat the Mets 3-1 despite just four hits of their own, thanks in part to six walks by Taiwan Walker. Along the same lines, Shohei Otani made his first start since he faced the White Sox in the opening series and issued six walks over four shutout innings, while conversely, Milwaukee Corbin Burns struck out 10 Padres without a walk over six shutout innings, giving him a record of 40 strikeouts without a walk to start the season. That'll do it for this edition of the White Sox Wake Up Call. Visit SoxMachine.com to talk about the game, and later in the morning I'll wonder why Larry Garcia keeps bunting. If you're new to the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. If you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, we wouldn't mind if you left a great rating and review. If you're interested in supporting the site and the show and receiving an ad-free version of both, you can do so at Patreon.com slash SoxMachine. Thanks for listening to the Sox Machine Podcast. For SoxMachine.com, I'm Jim Margulis. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.